0: I am going to be in a lot of places tonight. Are y'all okay with that? Isaiah chapter fifty three is where I want to start. Um, I preached this um, up at the Cowboy Church um, the other day to to some extent, but more kept coming to me, and um, so I get up here a while ago, and it's like, thank the Lord. I, I kind of fought was I supposed to say this because. Um, I don't know. I just struggled. I just wanted to make sure I had the right thing to say tonight, but I believe God has shown me that, um, that it is. I get up here, and there's a, there's a piece of paper here. It says, Life in and through the cross. So I said, Brother David, is this? So the title of my message tonight was The Cost of the Cross. The Cost of the Cross. How many of you know the, the cross cost you? Amen. The cross cost you something. And so, um, I was just thinking about the cross, and um, so then I get up here and I unfold this piece of paper, and, and it actually has some of my scriptures that I was going to share on it. So, I'm going to read this. Amen. Brother David said it came from the school of Christ. Pastor Clendenin had wrote this down, and so he did not actually use this other day in his message, but I want to use it tonight. Amen. It says, life in and through the cross, the life of Christ is all about death. Can you say Amen. His death, the death on the cross, our death, when we accept Jesus, we die to sin. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I die daily. And this echoes Jesus' command to those who want to follow him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Can I tell you when you choose daily to pick up your cross? Amen. It's not a one-time decision. Amen. You choose daily. The Scripture just says that. Take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross was a public humiliation. Amen. You know, here's the thing. If you don't believe it's a daily thing, get with somebody that ch- woke up one morning and chose not to pick up their cross. Amen. Amen. Just, just just get with somebody that chose that they, they said, Amen. You know, this man of God said a while ago, he said, he said, I, I spent twenty years running when I could have spent twenty years preaching. Is that right, brother? I believe that's what he said a while ago, you know. And so get with somebody like that. I'm sure he would tell you. You know, I've got with people and and a lot, you know, older than me, and they said the only regret that they had was that they didn't start living for Jesus a whole lot sooner. Amen. <laughs> And so I promise you, if you'll give your life to the Lord, then I can assure you the only regret that you'll have is that you didn't do it a whole lot sooner, amen? But here's the thing. We don't have to live in the regret that we didn't do it because there was an appointed time and appointed season, amen? Even, even for Brother Forehand there, amen? Thank God you're in now. What What a beautiful time to be in, amen? I thank God nothing's been wasted, Nothing's been wasted. The devil would say stuff's been wasted. Let me tell you, God don't waste anything. Amen. God's a redeemer of time. When we get born again, that blood redeemed my past. Amen. And so nothing was wasted the last 20 years. Nothing was wasted the first 25 years of my life. Amen. I don't even really look to that life anymore. I just looked to 18 years ago when I got in this thing. Amen. And I thank God. So that tells me nothing was wasted. Even the sinfulness of my 25 years, even God has used that. Amen. That's because of the cross. Amen. J.C. Ryle said, he said, you show me a Bible without the cross, I'll show you a dark book. (laughs) I'll show you a dark book. Because the hope of the cross is is the hope of the word is the cross. Amen? It's the cross. So listen, he goes on to say, he said, he meant that something must die to ourselves, our rights, and our desire to be our own boss. We must die daily. Amen? Amen? Paul said, Paul said, life is a daily death to himself. I do not count my life of any value nor do precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. As leaders, teachers, pastors, you know, we have to die daily. Amen? Amen. We have all been given a responsibility from God. In his cross, Jesus, he dealt with our sins because he dealt with them and we believed in his atoning work, then we receive a free gift from God, eternal life. That's what the cross does. Amen? And so Isaiah 53, if you'll just turn there with me, I just want to read a few scriptures and then I want to go to Matthew chapter 16. So here's what the Bible says. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah prophesying, looking forward. He says in verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Can I tell you, no matter what the conditions look like in the natural, can I tell you, Jesus can still live. Amen. No matter the conditions of the natural, he's a root, he's a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Amen. There's no beauty in him, amen? People don't just look at Jesus and the agony of the cross and say, that's what I want, (laughs) amen? I'm telling you, it's only by the grace of God does anybody ever choose this. I promise you, there's no comeliness in him. You don't just look at the tragedy of the cross and say, that's what I want my life to look at. No, you don't. None of us do, I promise you. None of us would choose that, amen? Other than the grace of God, something greater than me draws me to that. We would not choose to die because we like to live too much. Amen. We like ourselves too much and our flesh too much. Amen. We do. There's none of us that would choose this other than the grace of God. Amen. What did he say? No man can come unless the Father himself draws him. Amen. You wouldn't unless the Father went to where you weren't, pulled you to him. There's no way that we would. You can't. Why? Because we like sin. We like the flesh. We all do. That's reality. None of us like to die. Can you just be honest and say, I don't like to die. Amen. If Sanchez was here, I'd tell you to slap your neighbor and say, I don't like to die. Amen. Because none of us do. We don't. Amen. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we... Hid as is we, we are faces from, we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we, somebody say all we, including me. Including me. me. Like sheep have gone astray. Amen. That's what we're good at. We run. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Help me, Lord. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So we opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who who declared his generation, for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. How do you think that Jesus felt knowing that his father took pleasure in bruising him? And it was so gruesome that he had to turn his back when his son said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Imagine, amen? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant be justified many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Now turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, I've already read this a while ago on what Brother David had pinned down, but I just want to read this to you. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it profited a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in it with glory of his Father, with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming. In the kingdom. I titled this message tonight, if you would just bear with me a few minutes, Have You Considered the Cost of the Cross? Have You Considered the Cost of the Cross? Would you help me pray, Father? I just come to you now in Jesus' name, and I ask you to move. I ask you to meet with us. I ask you, Lord, to just anoint, Lord, these next few moments, God, as we begin to deliver and preach Your Word. I pray, God, that there would be streams of living water that would flow into this house, God. I pray that You would anoint every heart and ear to receive and hear, Lord. We just tell any hindrance, any demonic influence that would try to come and and stay and steal away, that would try to snatch away the seed that is being sowed, God. I pray in Jesus' name that any influence of the demonic spirits, God, would just be gone right now. In Jesus' name, any hindrance, Lord, in anybody's mind or in their life, God, I pray that hell would not be able to rob the seed that you're about to sow. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, sometime back, the Lord began to deal with me about the greatest temptation in this season of our life would be to get out from underneath the cross, amen? Well, sometimes that's easier said than walked. (laughs) Sometimes God gives you that revelation as a warning, but how many of you know that sometimes you gotta have people to remind you of what the Holy Ghost gave you to tell somebody else, amen? And the Lord really began to impress upon my life That this one thing, that if you ever get out from the pressure and the weight of the cross, then there's no way that you'll ever get back underneath it. Because none of us choose the cross other than the grace of God. Amen? We don't choose the cross. There's none of us going to get out from underneath the cross and say, I'll come back to you in just a minute. (laughs) You don't stay near the cross whenever you you get out from underneath it. Here's what you do. You run as far away from this as you can. Because at this place, there's a crossroad, and it brings you to a point of decision. Amen? And so whenever you see this, you don't see wood. You see Jesus. Amen? Because it's greater than just the cross. The cross was just that. It was just a cross, but it was what took place upon the cross of Calvary. Amen? I'll try not to keep you very long tonight. J.C. Ryle said this. He said, a single day in hell will will be worse than a whole life spent carrying your cross. Amen. I'm going to say that again, a single day, but I would even break it down to a single second because I can promise you a single second, you're not getting out of hell. And so you're looking at eternity from there on out. Amen. So I'm going to narrow it down instead of a day. I'm talking about even a single second in hell will be worse than a whole life spent carrying the cross. Amen. But let me tell you, the cross does get heavy. Amen. And the cross gets burdensome at times. And there's times that if you could have the way out from getting under the heavy burden of the cross, then I assure you that many of us would. Now, I'm not talking about Christ's cross. He already bore his. Amen. He was crucified on his, and that blood was already shed there. And because of that, then you and I don't have to be nailed to a cross any longer. Amen. Jesus became the curse. He became the one that was nailed to the tree. So therefore, we can... Can stand in the house of God and we can lift up our hands and we can say he is worthy. Why can we say that? Because I was unworthy but when the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, now I can step in into the holy of holies and I don't have to have somebody go in for me. Now I can go in and I can dwell around the throne of grace. I don't have to have a preacher get me in. I don't have to have a teacher get me in. No! The blood got me in over 2000 years ago and now I can come in but when you get there you have to know you cannot have Christ without a cross you can't have Christ without a cross but yet we preach it all the time we preach it all the time sister Michaela said when she preached out there and Dom got born again she said nobody ever told me that I had to die when I got saved Nobody ever told me. They told me that you can come in, you can live like hell, and you can still go to heaven. She said, nobody ever told me that I had to die. Boy, we set a lot of people up for failure, don't we? When we don't tell people they got to die. Amen. When we don't tell people that they're going to have to suffer some things. When we don't tell people, hey, it's not a bed of roses. (laughs) Amen. People's going to hate you. People's not going to like you. Your friends and your family, they're probably going to walk away from you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the cross. That's what the cross does. Amen. When you get your cross, your cross is going to affect other people's lives. Amen. Amen. When you begin to carry this cross, I promise you, this cross is going to start touching people. Amen. 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 Whoop. This cross is going to start touching people. Who made this? (laughs) Good job, Chris. I'm glad it didn't fall on somebody. Amen. Amen. I'll just carry it this way. Your cross is going to start touching people. Amen. You walk up in a crowd, guess what's going to happen? My cross is going to hit Ryan George. Amen. My cross is going to touch them. Amen. It's going to start affecting people that you come in contact with. They're going to start seeing something about you that was different. Amen. You used to go to some places they went to when you didn't have a cross on your back. But now you go and guess what? Now my cross is touching you. Mm -hmm. And now if you carry a cross, guess what? Your cross is going to touch that grandbaby now. Amen. You see, there starts becoming effects on me carrying my cross. Amen. Used to, I could walk up in a crowd, boy, and I fit right in. But now I don't fit in like I used to. (laughs) There's something different. There's something different about my walk. Amen. What's going on with him? Something's different about him. What is that on his back? You mean he don't look the same way that he used to look? He don't talk the same way. No, he's got a cross on his back. And I can promise you when you carry your cross, people's gonna take notice of that. The problem is we don't have a cross in our lives anymore. We're good at wearing them around our neck, but we don't wear one in our heart. Amen. The problem with the cross is it's a fashion statement to this generation and not a faith statement. Amen. I said it's become the most popular thing. We wear around our neck, wear around our clothes we got them hanging in churches got them hanging outside but there's nothing of the cross on the inside there's nothing on the inside the cross affects people I can promise you but the cross starts getting heavy because the more people you get in contact with that cross is going to touch and not everybody wants that cross <laughs> because when they see the cross they see death they see well he don't fit in where he used to fit in So guess what? You're probably going to stop getting invited to some places that you used to be invited to. (laughs) Because your cross started affecting their lives. Amen. Conviction started coming to them whenever you didn't join into their sickness. When you didn't join into their sin. Amen. But let me tell you, that cross starts getting heavy. (laughs) Amen. I said that cross starts getting heavy. And the more people that cross starts affecting and God starts cutting out of your life, guess what? That's hard too. (laughs) Because it starts getting lonely. It starts getting lonely. Hey Amen. What you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, it gets hard. Can I tell you this? The closer you get to the cross, the lonelier it gets, and the heavier it gets. I want to read to you the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew. Listen to this verse 26, verse 36. It says, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Now, we know the Bible speaks of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane is a place of crushing. Gethsemane means olive press. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. And Jesus said unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and and they began to be Sorrowful and what? Very heavy. Can I tell you, the closer you get to the cross, the heavier it gets. <laughs> the closer you get to the cross, the more separation of who your friends really are. <laughs> well, I thought there was, tw- there was a multitude with him. Then there was 12 with him. But only three went with him to Gethsemane. And them three went with him to Gethsemane. But whenever Jesus went to press in, to the press in, guess who was there with him? Nobody. Nobody was there. Jesus said, don't you know what I'm carrying? Don't you know what's about to take place in my life? And you can't even stay awake with me and pray for one hour? Even his closest three relationships that he had took to the Mount of Transfiguration that he had took with him to see the glory of God, and now I need you just to stay awake for me for one hour. I'm not even asking for a day or 24 hours. I'm asking you of one hour of prayer because I'm about to go to a cross in Gethsemane. I'm being crushed. You can't even stay awake and pray with me for one hour. But have you considered the cost of the cross? Because whenever you consider the cost of the cross, it comes very lonely. People that you think were with you will begin to leave you. People that you thought were praying for you will begin to hate you. People that you thought were for you will start being against you. Why? Because your cross is affecting their little life. (laughs) Your cross affects everything that you come in contact with when you're around them. And so what do they start doing? They start talking about the cross that you carry. You mean to tell me that they're all are all that, and they start saying that we're legalists. No, I just call it the word. (laughs) Call it what you want to call it. You call me a legalist. I'm just telling you I got to carry my cross. You mean you can't let down that cross one day? Oh, if I ever let down this cross. (laughs) If I ever let down this cross. (laughs) You can't tell me it gets tempting. But you better run from Jared Jenkins. I'm telling you. You better run from me, not because I'm getting closer to carrying the cross, but if you ever see me let this down, (laughs) you you better leave. (laughs) You better leave. I'm telling you, y'all leave this church if you ever see Jared Jenkins. Let down the cross. And I guarantee you that's for every one of our lives. That's for every one of our lives. Why is that? Because the cross keeps you in Christ. I can't live this life without him. I can't live it without him. Amen. Do you really realize what you're capable of? Why, why did Paul say, I die daily? Because Paul knew Paul. Paul remembers Saul. I said, Paul remembered Saul all too well. That's why he said in Romans 7, I don't do the things I want to do. When I want to do right, he said, I can't do it. There was a battle going on in his life. He said, who will save me from this life? He said, Jesus Christ is the one that will save me from this life. What was Paul saying? He said, I know Saul all too well, and there's got to be a cross on the inside of my life. I know if you read that scripture in context, he's referring to grace grace. And the letter but I can tell you what does the cross represent it's surely not the law it became the fulfillment it's called my God I feel the Holy Ghost the cross represents the grace of God and as sin abounds grace abounds the much more we gotta be cross carriers in this generation Amen. hallelujah <laughs> Woo. Uh, he said Jesus Christ himself Jesus alone, what is he saying? There's a cross in me. Amen? I wish I had. Sometimes the thing about the cross, you ever put fence posts out in the ground? What's it take, Brother Mike? You like hole diggers? Or would you rather have an auger? <laughs> auger helps, don't it? But what happens, where that, where that goes down, what comes up? Sometimes the auger of the cross. You ever felt like the cross was going deep? You ever just felt like the Holy Ghost was just, whoa. 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 And that cross was just going deeper in you. And you're like, ah, sometimes the cross gets to a place and you're like, boy, some hard ground there. Whew. I ain't found no water yet. How long's it been since anything went down there? You say a long time. I said, I'd never let nobody go that deep. That place right there is off bounds. And the cross is saying, but I got to go. Uh, And the Holy Ghost is trying to move. He said, if you could only go a little bit farther, I'm about to hit water. Uh, And some of us take the cross. uh, uh, And we try to get it back out. And we start working it back. And the Holy Ghost said, no, I want my cross to go deeper. If you could just bear with me a little bit more. I know you got to die. But if you could just die one more day. If you just pick up your cross one more day. You're about to hit water. There's about to be new life. This springs up. There's about to be a well of living water. Oh, if the cross could just go down a little bit deeper in the ground. I know you said nobody would ever go there again. I know you said you would take that to your grave. I know you said you would never allow anybody to hurt you in that place, abuse you, or accuse you again. Oh, but if we'd only let the cross go just a little bit deeper at the auger, in the Holy Ghost, in our hearts. Oh, would God, Amen. oh, would God do something in our hearts? But we say, no. I've been hurt too many times. Jesus said, look again. I said, it is finished. I took the beating so you didn't have to. I became the curse so you wasn't cursed. I despised the shame so you didn't have to live in shame. I took your abuse so you didn't have to live abused. I took the accusations and the cussings and the beatings and the whippings so you didn't have to. You don't have to live like orphans for I've called you to be my sons. Now let me go deeper. Yes, Lord. Ah. And Now the picture of the cross is not something around my neck. Amen. Now it's something that's in my heart. <laughs> and there's living water that is springing up. And so I said, I never would let anybody go there. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. I got to bear my cross. I got to bear my cross. It gets very heavy. It gets lonely. We're no different. A lot of times, boy, I can tell you, them three, boy, they catch a lot of slack in the church, don't they? You mean to tell me they couldn't stay for one hour and pray? Oh, them three right there. Boy, we give them a lot of slack, don't we? When's the last time we did? When's the last time you just bore that cross in your Gethsemane? Come on. Come on. It's lonely. Now, who really likes to be lonely? None of us. You may say you do. That's because you're in isolation and you're in sin. But nobody that's right with God wants to be alone. None of us. Amen. None of us. And so it gets heavy. The second thing I want to tell you is the some of the heaviness of the cross. <laughs> Y'all going to hate me probably, but I hope you'll love me, <laughs> is it messes up our agenda and our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> the cross messes up my agenda. It messes up my life. It messes up my purpose that I had for my life. Amen. I'm glad we got a good picture of that because you might not believe me. I was talking to Shad's line this week. He told me he went to Orlando and he, and he preached in a church. And he said he preached in a church down there, Faith Assembly. I guess it's a big church and I guess the magic plays in this church or something. He said it's a huge place. He said it's like on a big city corner. He said he went and said the Holy Ghost moved. said the pastor said, come back. Come back and let's, let's, let's have another service there. And he said God quickened him before he just said, I'll go back. He said, call the pastor and say, are you ready? For revival. He said, oh yeah, we want you to come back. He said, no, you're not ready for me to come back. He said, are you ready for a revival? He said, it's not about booking somebody. It's not about preaching somewhere. He said, are you ready for a revival? He said, because y'all are busy. <laughs> he said, you got something scheduled every day of the week. And he said, that's okay, because that's what you do. He said, but revival. It's going to mess up your agenda. He said revival's going to mess up your schedule. And he said, so you don't want to book. If you're not ready for revival, then you don't want to book for revival to come. Because what happens, your agenda gets wrecked. Amen. Your schedule gets messed up. Can I tell you that's what the cross does? Mark chapter 10 verse 21 speaks about a young man that came to Jesus and was asking him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Amen. And so Jesus began to tell him, well, guess what? This guy was a great guy. He said, I've been doing that since I was a little boy. Man, he's a pretty good guy. He said, I've been doing that for a long time. Amen. I've been doing that before you were, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's what some people think. Well, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, guess what Jesus did? He said, well, let me put my cross. <laughs> well, I got somewhere to see how good you are, old boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. Come on, somebody. Help me. You hold that. <laughs> see, the cross, when it comes to you, it affects everything about your life now. <laughs> Now the cross ain't just affecting your pastor. Now you got the cross. (laughs) Now it's fixing to affect your life. Amen? I want you to put it right here. Come on. Put it right there. Just stick it right there. Now everybody sees, Talena's got a cross on her back. Woo. (laughs) Now there's a little pressure. Now everybody sees it from behind. Now the pastor sees it from front. We see the cross. Y'all see the cross right there? You see, the cross messed up her agenda. See, it pushed her up a little bit. See, not as comfortable now. Messed her life up a little bit. So this rich young ruler, he had everything going in his life like he wanted it. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's what a lot of us do. We show up to church. What do I got to do to get born again? So then Jesus tells us, and we say, well, I've done all those things. Check, check, check. A lot of us are very good at the checklist. But then the cross comes to the issue of our life. No, I didn't come looking for that. No, no, no. You want to get in my bank account? No. Oh, no. Now the cross is starting to affect me now. Now I'll do, I've done all these things. I'm a pretty good guy. Ain't that enough? There's a lot of good guys, but the cross comes. You see, the cross will convict you that you're not a good guy. The cross will convict you and show you who you really are. And then it'll begin to ask you of things that you don't want to give up of who your God really is. You see, the rich young ruler, as good as he was, had some gods before Jesus. So he really didn't want to get in the kingdom. I said he really didn't want to get in the kingdom. Amen. Because the only way into the kingdom is not about how good you are, but it's about the cross. He is the way the truth, and the life. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. And if you're going to get in, and if you're going to make heaven your home, then let me tell you, that road is still paved with the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. Amen. There is no other way. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. And so this rich young ruler said, I've done all those things, Jesus. But I love this. Isn't Jesus just so sweet? Listen to this, verse 21. Then Jesus beholding him and loved him. (laughs) He beheld him. He intently looked at him, Brother David. He beheld him, and the Bible said he loved him. (laughs) And then he began to talk to him. And he said, let me talk to you a minute, son. Let me talk to you about what the real issue is. It's not about the adultery. (laughs) It's not about those things. He said, you've done all those. He said, but let me tell you. He said, one thing that you lack uh oh. You mean to tell me one thing could keep me out? <laughs> That's what I'm telling you, Jesus told this man. <laughs> he said, One thing that you lack. He said, Go thy way, sell everything you have, and give it to the poor, and then thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Listen to this. And then come, take up the cross, and follow me. <laughs> Whoa. You mean I got to sell everything? Before I can get up the cross, that's exactly what he said. You see, he, he, he brought the cross to him. He said, oh, yeah, you think you're good? He said, well, let me tell you something. And he brought the cross, and he said it right here at the rich young ruler's heart. And he said, I'm glad that you're good. He said, but here's what I want you to do, because the cross brings you to a point of decision. Amen. <laughs> Jesus always comes. When Christ comes, you know there's a cross there. And so Jesus will bring you to a point of decision. And when Jesus brought the cross to the rich young ruler, he said, I don't know about that now. I'm all right with being a pretty good guy. I'm good as long as I don't have to give up anything and die. Well, that's Christ without a cross. You cannot have Christ without a cross. It's going to cost you something. And you and I must pick up our cross and follow him. There is no other way. Listen to this. And I hope and pray that this is none of us tonight. And so when Jesus set the cross up in his bank account, are you with me? Amen. Verse 22, he said he was sad at that saying. Oh, how many people are really sad when the cross starts messing with their agenda? Don't get quiet on me. Amen. You're not shouting as good as I'm preaching. Amen. The cross affects us. It affects our agendas. It affects the purposes in our life. Amen. Listen, and he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hard shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Because guess what? Whenever you have a lot of possessions, then the last thing you want to do is come to the foot of the cross. You don't just you, you didn't just wake up in the morning and say, I think today I'll go to that gory cross. No, you, you didn't do that. Now in the church world today, I believe that's what we I'll get up and go to church today. And that's because there's no preaching of the cross. <laughs> there's no preaching of the blood. There's no preaching of the baptism. There's no preaching of things that need to be preached about, so we have this easy believism. Yeah. Amen. And so listen to me. What is going to be the greatest temptation in this hour? Matthew 27, verse 40, I believe, for me personally, is to do what the enemy said to Jesus, and saying thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Whew come down from the cross, Jesus. Imagine if Jesus would have came down from the cross in that moment. I would not be able to look at you in the face tonight and preach this gospel and talk to you about the cross because Jesus would have came down before he could say, it is finished. And if you and I get out from underneath our cross before we can say like Paul did, I have finished the race. Oh God, I've been poured out as an offering, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. Church, let, let me hear. It. Let me say something to you tonight. The greatest temptation will be to come down from out from the cross. Amen. I encourage you to read Matthew twenty-seven. He goes on to say, "He saved others; himself, he cannot save." Boy, they were trying to belittle him on the cross. He saved others, but he can't even save himself. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Greatest conviction is going to come right now. Guess what? You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. People's fixing to talk about the cross. People's going to walk up in our church and say, they're a bunch of lunatics. They believe too hard. They pray too long. They stay in church. They're too loud. They're too this. They're too Man, their convictions are this. Man, I can't believe that. I can't believe they're not following the government in that world. I can't believe they're not doing what everybody else is doing. I can't believe this. I can't be, If you'll just get out from underneath that cross, we'll believe you. People's going to try to talk you out of your cross. People're going to try to convince you and talk you out of your cross. My God, and if we don't really believe what we're bearing, then take it. I want you to like me. (laughs) I want you to love me because it's all I've ever wanted in my life, somebody to care about me. Don't you know that Jesus, for 33 years of his life, felt abuse and rejection, and now he's hanging there, beat Don't you know that he probably wanted a little relief in that moment? And they said, we'll believe you if you come down from that cross. Two thieves, one on either side. Verse 43, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If we will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast cast the same in his teeth. Man, read that, the account of that right before that. They were just wailing at him. Oh, you king of the Jews. They were just trying to wear him out before they ever tried to talk him out of his cross. People will try to wear you out and so will the enemy to talk you out of your cross. If they can get us wore out. The Bible says the wearing out of the saints. Amen. That is his agenda. You still with me? So the first thing, this cross gets heavy. The second thing I want to tell you is there will be people that come into your life and that are sent on display of the enemy to hinder the carrying of your cross. <laughs> some of those you sit with in church. I said some of those you sit with in church. Amen. Some of those call themselves disciples. <laughs> some of them call themselves apostles. Apostles and prophets, and pastors, and teachers. Some of them have a great foundation of the things of God. But here's the problem. They don't understand your cross. And they weren't meant to understand your cross because it's your cross is not their cross, and my cross is not your cross. And so they weren't meant to understand your cross. But what they were to understand is they are to help you bear your burden and help you carry your cross instead of hindering your carrying of your cross. Back to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is speaking in verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Boy, he had some guts, didn't he? Huh. Old Peter going to rebuke Jesus. Huh. Well, let me tell you how it's going to be, Jesus. Anybody ever done that? Huh. Just tell Jesus how it's going to be. Amen. Began to rebuke him. Tell him, I don't agree with what you're doing, Jesus. Who, who do you think that you are? To, you, go, you, ain't, you ain't going to die? Huh. No, 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 no. So old Peter, boy, he, I'm telling you, he had some guts right there for a minute. And so he, he just rose up against Jesus. He said, you're talking about being killed and rising again on the third. day?" No, 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 no. So what did Peter do? He said, I'm fixing to cut in on you and your cross carrying. He said, I'm going to cut in on you for a minute. Because Peter didn't understand what Jesus was saying. A lot of people don't understand because they're too carnal to understand anything spiritual. And so Peter was being carnal. He said, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Verse 23, but he turned. Oh, Jesus said, Well, you, you, Peter, who you think you are? <laughs> Amen. And we talk about rising above and, and Peter rebuking him. You know, we're big and bad sometimes and we rebuke Jesus, but how many has been Jesus just wheeled back around to you and rebuked you back? Amen. Has Jesus called any of you the devil yet? <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> That's what he told him. That's what he told old Peter, that he had called him the rock. Now he's calling him Satan. <laughs> Your name will be Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Now he's saying, get behind me, you devil. (laughs) You mean you can go from being the rock to Satan just like that? Let me tell you, when you start hindering somebody carrying their cross, you better believe. When you start hindering somebody's cross-carrying, you better know that you can go from a pillar in a church to becoming the devil in the church. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I said you can move from the rock to the devil in just a moment's time just because you don't want to step out of the carnal things and begin to look in the spiritual. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. I'm talking about Peter was looking at things through the eyes of the flesh, but Jesus knew my day is ahead. I shall be crucified and I shall die, but it's not gonna be over because on the third day, I shall rise again. Let me tell you something about this walk with Jesus. If you're gonna be resurrected, there's gotta be a crucifixion. Crucifixion had to come before it was ever a third day. I came to tell somebody tonight the greatest temptation would it be not to crucify your flesh. But if we're going to see a revival in this last day, we're going to have to pick up our calls. We're going to have to die there's gonna have to be a crucifixion daily oh but you better watch out devil cause there's still a third day I may die today but I'm gonna rise tomorrow my car, I feel the Holy Ghost I said if there's gonna be a revival it has gotta be a death judgment starts in the house of the Lord Hallelujah. Oh, God. I believe there's going to be a great revival. I believe we're seeing it. I told uh, somebody the other day, I don't think we've ever seen this many miracles in this church in just a matter of just a few weeks. Brother Scott is still being in a wheelchair, but he's not. He's working. Amen. But I can tell you, this cross gets heavy. Amen. Get tired. Get tired carrying this cross sometimes. Amen. People's going to come and try to hinder you. Amen. They're going to try to hinder you. Can I read a few devotions from Oswald Chambers? You okay with that? It's getting late. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Listen to what Oswald said. My God, this thing. I didn't understand this devotion at first. Amen. Because Oswald don't play no games. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you become a necessity to someone else's life, you're out of God's will. As a servant, your primary responsibility is to be a friend to the bridegroom, John three twenty nine. When you see a person who is close to grasping the claims of Jesus, you know that your influence has been used in the right direction. And when you begin to see that person in the middle of a difficult and painful struggle, don't try to prevent it. Don't try to prevent it, but pray that his difficulty will grow even 10 times stronger until no power on earth or in hell My God. could hold him away from Jesus Christ. He's talking to Peter. He said, don't you hinder his walk. Don't you hinder the cross that that man's bearing. He's saying, he's saying don't you touch somebody. He said, you pray for it to get harder. He said, over and over again, we try to be amateur providences in someone's life. We are indeed amateurs coming in and actually preventing God's will and saying this person should not have to experience this difficulty. Oh, my God. Ooh. I know that might be hard preaching, but I'm telling you, that's reality. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes we want to stop people from suffering. Amen. But what we can do is actually hinder the perfect will of God in somebody's life. Amen. Why? Because Jesus is saying, I got to get them to the place where they carry that cross and they don't want to, my God, they don't want to carry anything else. They want to be so intimate with the things of God that they're willing to bear a cross no matter what, no matter who goes with them, no matter who leaves them. Oh, I'm talking about not hindering somebody bearing their cross. You may not understand it. It's not up for you and I to understand. Sometimes you just have to walk beside them and say, I'm with you. I got my cross. I'm not touching yours. I got mine. We're just going to help each other out. I know it's heavy. I know we're losing a lot of people, but we're still going. Amen. I'm still going, Brother David. We're in this thing together. I'm still going. Amen. I got my cross. I got my cross. I know my cross done knocked about 10 people out of the way. They didn't want to die. He didn't want to die. Oh, God. Oh, God. Listen. Hope I didn't lose my place. This person should not have to experience this difficulty. Instead of being friends of the bridegroom, our sympathy gets in the way. One day, that person will say to us, you are a thief. I you stole my desire to follow Jesus. And because of you, my God, I lost sight of him. <laughs> because of you, I lost my sight of him. Marty. I, I wanted so bad to take that off of you and Scott. I tried. We went to your house and me and Carrie said, get up, Scott. You can walk. I wanted to pick him up. We did pick him up. And we held him, but he said, I can't take a step. But I wanted to for him, but we couldn't. I wanted to pick him on my back and tote him, but I couldn't because it wasn't my cross to bear. (laughs) But it was theirs. But I hated watching y'all go through it. I got mad. And I said, why them? Why not me? I'm a lot worse than they are. Why not me? Why not me? But it's what can actually happen. God said, I didn't choose you. Sometimes the harder cross could be watching you go through it. Sometimes that can be the harder cross. Amen. Watching somebody go through it. Watching your children go, why not me? (laughs) Why not me? And then you have to watch your children. You feel helpless and hopeless. You have to watch them. And you say, my God, your children's in that pig pen and you can't do nothing about it. Your mom or your dad going through a pig pen. You can't do nothing about it. I had my dad make her I just wanted my dad to quit drinking. And I had to watch John Tate come and handcuff my daddy and put him in a cop car. And my daddy said, I'll never talk to you again. Three weeks later, my dad was dead. It's hard. But you got to bear a cross. Don't you know the devil said... Why don't you just get out from underneath it? Just leave it. Why don't you just go back to the old ways? God ain't listening to you anyway. Your dad died. You prayed. The same people that prayed when Lucas Treadwell was resurrected, the same people was at the hospital, just a different hospital, but yet your dad died. (laughs) Why don't you just get out from underneath the cross? Oh, it's tempting, but oh, you got to get it. Keep going. Just got to keep going. God had just called us to this church, buried my dad on Friday. God said, get back in that pulpit Sunday and preach, son. Preach. Don't you dare lay the cross down. Preach. Serve God. Serve God. This cross is to bear sometimes. If you hinder somebody's cross, and you actually keep them from seeing who Jesus really is. You still with me? Beware of rejoicing with someone over the wrong thing, but always look to rejoice over the right thing. The friend of the bridegroom rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Hallelujah. There's one more that Oswald wrote. That was March 24th. If any of you keep up with Oswald Chambers, you can read that for yourself. Oswald says to another day, he says, one of the hardest lessons to learn comes from our stubborn refusal to refrain from interfering in other people's lives. It takes a long time to realize the danger of being an amateur providence. That is interfering with God's plan for others. You see someone suffering and say, He will not suffer, and I will make sure that He doesn't. <laughs> Sometimes we want to stop things that God is really doing. You know, Ecclesiastes said, You try to make straight paths that I've made crooked. <laughs> We talk about God making everything straight that's crooked, but sometimes God makes things crooked that were straight. (laughs) Otherwise, you don't see him. Amen, that's scripture. Amen. We just talk about the straight way. Sometimes God will mess you up and make that thing crooked for you. Amen. He ever done it for somebody in here? Because I got too comfortable when things were straight. (laughs) So we had to make it crooked where I'd trust him around the next curve. Amen. He says, listen, he goes on to say, They will not suffer. You put your right hand in front of God's permissive will to stop it, and then God says, what is that to you? What is that to you? And he's talking about Peter. Amen in John 21. Who is that to you, who I use and who I don't use? What is that to you? Is there stagnation in your spiritual life? Don't allow it to continue, but get in God's presence and find out the reason for it. You will possibly find it is because you have been interfering in the life of another I know that's hard, but there's times. Now, is it every time that it's like that? No, it's not. But let me tell you what, the cross don't do things the way we do. In Genesis, I can't remember exactly where it is. Hey, Ryan, come here. I want you to sit right here. Come here, Jonas. Are y'all still with me? I'll try not to keep you much longer. I want you to sit right there. Where is that? Genesis Let me see if I can find it. It's toward the end. Genesis 48. Genesis 48. The Bible speaks of Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And so, Joseph realizes that Israel or Jacob is about to die. And so Joseph comes to him, and he brings his two sons, right hand, left hand, and he brings them to his father to bless them. And so in order to get the right hand of blessing would be the firstborn, amen, then you would put that there. Ryan, no doubt, is older than Jonas, right? Right? And so wouldn't it make sense that Ryan would receive the blessing from God? The right hand of blessing. Amen? But can I tell you, the cross don't always do things what we think is the right way. (laughs) The cross does things the cross's way. And so the Bible speaks of Jacob going to bless them. And all of a sudden, whenever the father, Jacob, or Israel, begins to put his right hand there, something happens. his right hand fell on the younger. And he said, this is the one that the right hand of blessing is gonna fall upon. Well, guess what Joseph did? He started trying to hinder the cross. I said, he started trying to hinder the work of the cross. And Joseph began to say to his father, Israel, you're doing it the wrong way and I don't agree with the work of the cross. How many times do we not agree with the work of the cross? Because the cross don't do things the way that we would do. And so the Bible says that Joseph took his father's right hand and he started going, get that hand off of there. And put, No. The father, the father said, don't touch my hands, Joseph, because the cross don't do things the way you would do things. And so the father crossed his hands. Isn't that a beautiful picture of redemption? <laughs> you don't think that you deserve anything. You're the least. You're the least. You're the last out of everybody. But the father said, look at what I'm going to do because of the cross. I'm fixing to cross my hands up. And who thinks that they should deserve? My who thinks that they should deserve it? I'm about to cross my hands up, and the least likely among you is who I'm going to anoint. It's who my grace is going to be upon. It's who my favor is going to be upon. It's who my anointing is going to be upon. I'm going to ordain him. I'm going to use him. The right hand of blessing is upon him. I don't care how mighty Joseph is. Whenever God brings a man or a woman to the cross, I don't care how young they are. I don't care what their past look like. I'm telling you, I don't care if somebody tries to change the direction of the cross I'm telling you when Jesus said it is finished and the father crossed his hands and he blessed the younger I'm telling you God is anointing a generation and it may not make sense to you or especially the religious crowd because the cross has showed up in the church hallelujah thank you brother good job Jonas You got the anointing tonight, not your daddy. (laughs) Amen. The cross, thank you, brother, does what we can't do. Amen. I said the cross does what we can't do. Who's playing tonight? Brother Russell. So people will try to hinder you. Joseph tried to hinder Jacob's hands. He was going to fix it. How many of us try to fix the work of the cross and think we could do better than the cross did? (laughs) We take his hands and we say, no, you got it the wrong way. I think you need to do things this way. Amen. So Joseph done his best to hinder the work of the cross, but Israel knew greater than Joseph did. The third thing I want to tell you is we know that we're going to be hindered, By people's going to try to say stuff about our cross. We know that the cross is going to be very heavy. But I got to tell you that help is on the way. (laughs) Help is on the way. I'm telling you a revival's coming of burden bearers. Where there's unity, brother. I'm telling you revival's coming. Amen. I believe revival is now and is here. Burden bearers are going to come and help one another Bear our cross. And now you say, well, Pastor, you just said don't interfere with somebody's cross. Well, let me tell you, whenever they call you to come, you better come. <laughs> when God tells you to stay, you better stay. Oh, but don't you know whenever Jesus got close? Uh, Jesus was beaten. He was getting closer, and that cross was getting heavier. He was running out of strength. And they looked to a stranger. The Bible says Simon, a Cyrenian, and they called for him. Ah, Jesus was doing all he could do to get up the hill, the Via Dolorosa. Then all of a sudden, Simon of Siren come. What did Simon come and do? Brother Chris, will you be my Simon? I can't go anymore. You didn't hinder me. Now I need you. Oh. Does that mean that I don't keep going? No. It means that he came to bear what I couldn't bear anymore. I've bore it as long as I could. I'm still going up that hill. I still have to cry. It's finished. I still have to die. But I got to do it there. Because my work's not done yet. But I can't go anymore. I've gone as far as I can go. <laughs> what does that say? What does that scripture say? My read it. it said he, they compelled him or commanded him to come and bear his cross. Matthew twenty seven. I think is somebody right there. Stay right there, brother. Oh God Matthew 27 27:32 that's it. Here's what it says as they came out they found a man. Of Siren, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Did that mean Jesus got out from underneath? He said his cross, not Simon's cross, but Jesus's. So you mean to tell me that you don't need help carrying yours, but Jesus needed help bearing his? How arrogant have we become in the church? How arrogant have we become to think that we don't need to be faithful and corporately gather together? If you think that you can do it, you're not really carrying a cross. No, you ain't bearing a cross. If you don't need to be faithful and corporately gathers, you don't have a cross on your back. No, no, no. I can assure you. You say that you don't need people in your life. You don't have a cross then. Because it ain't costed you anything. There's no cost to your Christianity. You don't have a cross. I'm sorry. You don't. Who are we to think that we're greater than Jesus? He said, I'm not done yet. I see my end. It's right here. My God is so close. Listen to this. I looked up that word bear. In the book of Galatians, it actually means to completely lift up all the pressure to remove any weight. It means total removal. Total removal. That means it's still my cross and I'm still with him. But he's got it all. Listen to this. It means he was compelled to come. There's no option, Simon, but get his cross. Listen to this. My God. This word bear here means to move from its place. Simon, I have give you a job. Some of you sit in church and say, but I never preach. But will you help me bear my cross? I'm almost home. We don't need another preacher. We don't need another praise team. We don't need another church pew sitter. My God, we need some Simons of Siren. We're almost home. I need somebody that will move it from its place. It means to raise up. It means to elevate. My God. Some of you has been beat down. Call upon a Simon to help you. You'll lift up. Why aren't we seeing increase in the house? Because the Simons are sitting down. Why is the church so beat down? Why isn't revival taking place? Because the Simons won't step up. We're too busy looking and searching for trend instead of tragedy. Isaiah will you put the trendy cross up this is what we've done in church it's beautiful isn't it it's attractive isn't it I bet that church is full I bet it's full they probably got 10 services Starbucks coffee at the door donuts donuts Get everybody there. It's trendy. But what about the tragedy? What about that? Do you want Starbucks when you see that? Or do you want to repent? Do you want to serve God? We've made this cross so attractive, but there was no comeliness in him. His mother couldn't even recognize him. Their cross was so heavy. But we take this so lightly. It really don't matter to us. I just want to go where it's attractive where everybody else is at. Don't cost me anything there. I don't have to go back Sunday night. No. No, it's too, it's too long, too much. They're too radical. They ask too much. They want to do too much. It's too hard there. Is it really, or you just made it hard? Because if Simon would come, <laughs> if Simon would come, he would make your burden light. He would totally remove the burden of the cross if you'd only let him. If you'd only asked Simons to come, man, the church would have full of purpose. But My God, it's heavy. Listen, it means to remove completely. <laughs> so we got a work to do. And it's not very trendy. But unless two walk together... How can they be agreed? What if Jesus would have looked to Simon and said, no, not you today. Or what if Simon would have said, I'm not helping Jesus today. I wonder how many of us sit in church and that's what we say. Many of us say, well, that hard time that they're in, they deserve it. And the Holy Ghost is saying, but I want to anoint you to be a Simon. (laughs) I want to anoint you to be a Simon because there's work to be done. He's not said it is finished yet. He's got to climb that hill. The only way Jesus can get there is if somebody bigger than him in that moment, the stronger than him in that moment, because Jesus is weak, Jesus is beat down, Jesus is lowly, He's not attractive. But a Simon of Siren comes out and he says, Let's go. And he carries him. And he carries him. And he carries him. And then Simon lets go of the cross. if you don't encourage if you don't come alongside and do your part I'm not talking about a trendy gospel I'm not talking about a cute Jesus I'm talking about a tragedy at the foot of the cross where your life is totally wrecked totally messed up I had shared this the other day on Facebook and a lot of you I know don't have it, so I want to read this to you just a minute. Because I know that we know what trend is, but listen, I looked it up and it means very fashionable or up to date. Isn't that what we've done with the cross is we've tried to make it up to date. We've tried to make it fashionable and it's such a fashion statement. Look at the pretty lights. Look at that. Nothing wrong with the hat. Nothing wrong with that at all. But you don't die there. You don't die there. No. That don't tell me nothing about death, brother. That draws me to that. But I'm telling you, there's something that happens at an old rugged cross. How many of you still believe in an old rugged cross? (laughs) And I can tell you tragedies happen there. Amen. Listen to this. The word tragedy means an event. If you've never been messed up at a cross... If you never had an event you remember that day <laughs> it means an event causing great suffering destruction and distress you would say well that seems mean pastor he's talking about the flesh <laughs> if your flesh hadn't been suffering destructed and distressed then you've not truly been to the cross <laughs> You don't know what tragedy is. It's just a trend. It's just a trend. This cross is through the whole word. In the moment in Genesis when Adam Eve's kicked out of the garden, the blood shows up. There was a cross there. I thought I'd never thought about this until today. That art was built out of what? Wood. Every nail that went in, was the top of the cross. And when judgment came, what did that boat do? It went higher. Can I tell you, when judgment is all around you, can I tell you, the cross will take you higher. (laughs) The cross will take you higher. Nothing can save you from judgment but the old rugged cross. Nothing can save us from that life of sin but the old rugged cross. So, if you're here tonight and you say, I'm tired, I'm tired. She's tired. Come here, Ryan. Stand right here. Come here, Leah. John Wayne, I'm going to use you one more time. Get in the middle. Get right here, baby. She's going to be my Moses. I should have come over here. Y'all know the story? Exodus 17? Lift your hands up. Both hands. Hold them up. John Wayne's gonna be Joshua. He's fighting the devil. Moses is on the mountain. But not long. These arms get tired. Just like Jesus carrying his cross, these hands get tired. But Joshua's on the battlefield. He knows every time them hands go down, Amalek wins. And so Joshua's looking back. You better get that cross up because there's only one answer because when these hands go down, there's there's no cross. And so what do you need to keep the cross intact? You need Aaron and hers. Now victory comes. The cross is on the heel. Do you not see Calvary? Do you not see Jesus? There's an enemy that's after. But as long as the cross will be in the middle, can I tell you Amlek or not a devil in hell can defeat anybody. Why? Because I got Simons on either side. I got Aaron and Hurst in my life. I got the body of Christ in my life. And there's a cross and there's Christ. And the cross is extended. So therefore there's victory after victory after victory on that battlefield. You say I'm in war. I'm telling you there's a war. But I'm telling you there's a cross. I'm telling you there's a cross. I'm telling you there's a cross. There's a cross. cross. And if that cross is intact we shall be victorious this day hallelujah but the moment the cross disappears that devil wins the enemy wins and so tonight is there a cross in your life I pray right now in Jesus name that the Holy Ghost gets a hold of the auger of that cross